Aloha and welcome to the Science Hawaii podcast, your station for all things science and education in Hawaii, brought to you by the Hawaii Science Teachers Association. Welcome, Lisa Martin. I am very excited that you're here. I am very curious about what you do and how'd you get there. My name is Lisa Martin, and I actually have a background in public health. I have a doctorate. I used to do medical research. But I became very concerned about climate change. So about five years ago, I started a nonprofit called Healthy Climate Communities that focuses on education and action around climate change here in Hawaii. One of the things I do is workshops in schools. Another is we have a community forestry program uh, where we're planting a native forest on the watershed of Hamakua Marsh. And that started really because going into schools and talking to kids about what we can do to reduce our carbon footprint, like reducing our emissions and protecting forests or planting trees. The second wasn't really things that most kids have the power to do. They might not have a yard or they might not get to decide what happens in that yard. So I wanted to go together as a class and go and plant trees so we could really you know, walk the talk. And then the last thing I did, because I found that our reach was limited by doing workshops ourselves, was to create curriculum and that's what I'm really excited to share with you today, um, NGSS curriculum on climate change. And our units are usually about five lessons, four or five lessons. And they um, target exactly the NGSS um, required standards for particular grades. Sometimes with the lower grades, we also throw in some English and math standards. But um, they try to tell a story about climate change in the course of about four or five lessons and have a real focus on Hawaii, uh, local examples, local stories, local images, and it's all available free online, and we would love for people to use it. Oh my gosh, that's like the keyword right there is free, and it makes me get all excited. Um, could you tell us more about those uh, lessons to start off? So I'm assuming they're about climate, they're about students' actions, and the actions of our community and how they impact our earth and our atmosphere. Um, am I on the right track? You are. So basically, I, we looked at where is there um, a, an overlap between ideas about climate change and what is absolutely required to be taught in the different grades. So for example, in fifth grade, Earth Systems is something that is taught in science now. And so we have a unit called Earth Systems in my Ahupua'a. And it has a Hawaii GIS map, so you can each um, teacher can look at that school's ahupua'a, and it has real data, often local data from Hawaii, looks at local weather systems, native plants, and um, it's been used for a few years now. And we've made improvements based on teacher feedback, and it's, it's a fun unit. All of the units kind of um, start with more general science. And the last um, lesson is an engineering design task that is focused on action. Either, for example, the um, unit I just described, the, it ends with um, designing a tree planting plan to capture a certain amount of carbon. And we throw in some math and we throw in some English essays. I love that. I love that you're not only thinking about the science standards, but you're showing how they're connected and integrated with math and language standards as well. That's so important from especially a point of view of educating the whole child and providing opportunities for them. There's so much overlap 
between climate change and the standards, even things like social science um, and history, all of those are integrated in climate change as well. Absolutely. So for example, the middle school unit, which would be sixth grade for integrated schools, uh, which is most of them, or eighth grade for disciplinary, that unit is focused squarely on climate change because that's the one time that there's actually a, an NGSS standard um, that, that basically asks teachers to teach about global warming. So that unit, um, we do, again, we bring in math. There's an entire lesson on graphing. We have a lab. A writing assignment, evidence-based writing, where they write a letter to a um, politician. And we have, it ends again with an engineering design task. And that particular one is focused on trying to reduce the carbon footprint of their school. And where this was piloted, boy, they tried to make some changes in their school. And the kids had a great time. They felt really empowered and important. Um, changing things in small ways at their school. So that was pretty exciting for them and for the teacher. So you mentioned that some of these students are actually making change in their community, in their own lives, also at their schools. Can you give us a couple examples of what students have done to inspire change at their school or their community? When school, they um, promoted carpooling within their school. They also, they you know, created a little uh, a system for people to to communicate and set up carpools. They uh, had forkless Fridays, something like that, where they tried to reduce plastic use at school. Meatless Mondays, I don't know. They, they had all these different things going on um, to try to reduce their carbon footprint from what they're eating, what they're consuming. Some of the kids got really excited and they wanted to look at things that are environmentally important, but not really super important when it comes to reducing our carbon footprint. And the teacher pretty much just let them go with it. She said, whatever they're excited about is fine. So, um, so yeah, they got into all kinds of things. Yeah, and I love that the teachers allowed their students to kind of follow their passion and interest too. Because as a teacher, I know that that's one of the big ways we can motivate our students is allow them to have choices. Yeah, and they didn't. So, for example, one student um, designed a wind-powered car which may not be a particularly, you know, not something he could execute himself, but um, he was excited about it. And so that's what he did. And he made a little model. Yeah, even if it like doesn't work, right? We're still learning those creative scientific skills of engineering and problem solving, figuring things out and tinkering. Like that's, I'm glad that he made a model too. And modeling, look, boom. There's another one. Oh, yeah. So there's we run so many different NGSS standards through these units. And I, I do have a science background, and I really like the NGSS standards. I find um, the cross-cutting concepts um, and the skills to actually be things that scientists use, you know, in research. And um, so it wasn't difficult at all to include those. Now, the high school ones, we have two high school units. One is biology and one is chemistry. There is a standard about teaching climate change in high school, but here in Hawaii, that NGSS standard falls under environmental science. And I know that most kids don't take environmental science. So I really wanted um, not to miss this opportunity for kids to learn about climate change since it's something that will impact them. So biology, we have, um, we start, there's a lot of experiments in that class, as you would expect, but we cover photosynthesis, a carbon cycle, ecosystem instability, and the engineering design task looks at using real local data 
kind of a larger area of the island looking at energy use and land use. Kids do a group project. They can, they can choose, you know, what to focus on. But the idea is they go through the process of looking at data that's been prepackaged for them to, to analyze how they could reduce the carbon footprint of a larger area, looking at different land use. Yeah, I think knowing that you have these opportunities for high school that are in biology and chemistry as well, I think that's really important. And also, as a biology teacher, I know that the end of course exam for high school biology not only includes the life science standards, but it also includes the earth science standards that you mentioned that specifically mentioned the natural resources and sustainability, technically earth science standards, but they are uh, tested in the biology end of course exam. So now biology teachers do need to talk about the cycling of carbon specifically and how humans are impacting that. Um, so I think what you're doing is fantastic. And I think it's so important. And I think it's great that you have these available for anyone to access as well. You know, I can just go on the website, which we'll yeah. probably put in the link to the show notes so that people can just click on it right there. Could you tell us more about the organization that you're a part of that um, hosts all this and promotes all of this? Sure. So Healthy Climate Communities, it's small. I'm based here in Hawaii. And, you know, the most visible thing we have going is a community forestry site. So it's on the watershed of Hamakua Marsh in Kailua. It's a um, collaboration with the D Division of Forestry and Wildlife. So it's a state wildlife sanctuary with four species of native endangered birds and, um, and other birds as well that are not endangered um, down in the lowland. And we are planting the watershed. And we've been planting a variety of native trees but also a bunch of other native endangered plants. So it's kind of a cool field trip opportunity and it is free to bring your kids there for a field trip. We love to have them. I love to have kind of a um, age appropriate um, tour and learning experience combined with a little service. If it's the right time of year, we'll have them planting trees. And if it's not the right time of year, we'll have them weeding and doing other sorts of maintenance um, on the forest. But it is, um, a pretty spectacular location, easy to access. And now that we've been at it for five years, the earliest um, areas that we planted are pretty mature and big. So it's kind of, it's just cool. I have second graders come and they are the cutest and they just like getting dirty and playing in the mud. And then you have, you know, I actually have college students, botany students coming as well. So it's a, there's something for everyone there. The, uh, the education stuff I think is also super important. When I went into schools to do workshops. It was often the teachers or teacher's aides or librarians, the adults in the room that would tell me afterwards, wow, I never really understood that. Because as adults, they didn't learn about climate change. They just um, pieced together bits and pieces from news articles and headlines. And if they, particularly if they didn't have a strong science background, they didn't have kind of a a way to put it all together in a framework and understand. And I, I find that a lot with adults who are really environmentally conscious. They may say things like, yeah, you know, I don't use plastic straws. I'm really doing my bit. You know, that's a wonderful thing, but that is not going to solve climate change. Or likewise, I'll say, yeah, I'm eating local. And that is also a wonderful thing, but that's not going to solve climate change either. So you just really want people um, to understand what it, it is that will help solve this problem 
and and what doesn't. It makes a lot of sense too because you know a lot of those parents were probably educated at least 10, 20 years ago. Um, and back then, climate science was really just starting to come to a consensus about climate change. The education now, we know a lot more. I'm wondering, what do you think a science teacher can do? It Maybe not even just a science teacher, but any teacher. What are some of the most important things they can do to make sure we're getting this message about climate change across to our students? What a great question. So obviously, they just have to look at our NGSS science units. <laughs> and then there's all kinds of lessons right there prepackaged. It actually is a lot of work to think how to teach this stuff. You don't want to be depressing. You don't want to freak kids out, right? It's not, um, that's not the goal. So by teaching it in, you know, in a science setting, you can really just lay out the facts. It's, you know, it's a really interesting global experiment that we have been doing. It's a real, you know, it's a one big science experiment. What happens when we add, you know, take carbon dioxide out of the geosphere and put it into the atmosphere. And then you can see how it cycles into the hydrosphere. And it's all really interesting. So if you teach it as a kind of interesting phenomenon and something that is man-made, man-made meaning that we can also solve it. It's not like this terrible thing that we can't control. It's something we can absolutely control. And so um, so that, I think, is the way to, to teach it. Sounds like you're also focusing on solutions. Even in the lessons, you're ending with some sort of action or um, engineering design task so that they're focused on solutions. And I also enjoy, too, the fact that you have these lessons available because I know as a teacher, it takes a lot of energy and time to create a lesson from scratch but going and finding a lesson and then altering it to fit your needs of your classroom is much easier. So I'm sure uh, teachers can go access those lessons and you know make them their own. Is that kind of what you see teachers doing? Yeah, and actually I would love for teachers to share with me what they have done. You know, it's out there, there's no barriers, there's no sign in, there's no registration, there's no fee. Because I don't want teachers to go there and then decide it's too much trouble and they don't want to take a look. Um, but the flip side is I don't necessarily know who's using it. So, for example, I heard from a teacher on Kauai who used the biology unit. She said, hey, you can save money on the labs by reducing materials in this way, which was fabulous. But I would not have known that she used the unit or that she had suggestions to improve it unless she communicated with me. So I would really love for anybody who uses it, even if you don't want to change it or if you hate it um, and don't want to use it, I'd love to hear from you no matter what, right? So the website that it's on, all that comes back to me too. And we would love to improve this stuff. Um, the last unit, the chemistry unit, they, they actually build a um, solar panel that uses um, vegetable dye to power it. And it's, it's a really cool, it's a cool experiment, right? So my uh, uh, friend who's a chemist who created that, that unit with me, she went to a lot of trouble to figure out how to make the materials really cheap, right? To not get a kit, not get expensive materials, but just to find things that are readily available either, you know, in your standard chemistry class or at Long's Drugs, whatever. 
And I like that you can actually access some of these things at a local drugstore too, especially since currently we are virtual learning for all our kids or almost all of our students. So finding things that you can buy easily uh, makes a difference, especially if you're going to try to do something at home, which maybe not everything they could do at home. I don't know. Is there any labs or activities that they could be doing from home right now in a COVID virtual learning? You know, there's certainly tons of activities. The labs, it's not that they couldn't do it. I'm thinking about it. The seventh, we try to have a lab in each grade. So the seventh grade or the middle school lab is pretty simple materials. They are looking at the impact on temperature of different, they're basically learning about the albedo effect, which is how the reflected sunlight on lighter colored surfaces like the snow, the tundra, bounces right back out into the atmosphere and does not turn into, does not, that light radiation doesn't turn into heat radiation. It doesn't stay. So they're learning about that with um, just recycled containers with different colored materials inside and they put it out in the sun and they see what happens to the temperature. And that's something that they could possibly do at home, but you'd need thermometers. Um, The chemistry stuff, that is a little more complicated. That really is meant to be done in the lab. Perhaps too then a teacher could look around at all of the resources Mm -hmm. and take something like that seventh grade lab. And even though it's designed for seventh grade, I could take that to my earth science class, class and maybe bump up some of the rigor of the other components, but the lab could still remain the um, the albedo lab, right? I could kind of yeah. mix and match as I need. Yeah, no, there there is stuff like I have in the fifth grade, My G, the GIS maps are really cool. And definitely that is something that could be, you know, incorporated into a high school lesson where they want to learn about um, earth systems in their own place and look at how um, that's kind of a, got a cultural p- component looking how at how our natural land features interact with the shape and size of our ahupua'as. And uh, so that's pretty cool. And I think is interesting to adults <laughs> as well as kids. Oh, yeah. I get so wrapped up in looking at maps and mapping um like google earth when that came out i was up all night just looking at google earth um because i just get so excited about it what is your favorite part of your job um my favorite part of my job it's really watching kids get excited and that it doesn't happen in only one setting but the kids are so i mean I don't know at what point we get jaded or stop caring, but it is definitely later in life because these kids are always excited and they want to solve problems. They are 100% in. You know, if we go to school and we teach a workshop, we say, hey, you know what? So we got to grow our forest to help solve this problem. Do you guys want to come help? And you get the kids, I mean, 100%. They are ready and they're asking you, wait, when can we come? When can we come? And, um, that's, that's what I love. I love seeing kids that are excited about solving problems. That's awesome. That's beautiful. Me too. I, you can see how passionate these students are um, when they're presented with opportunities and with experiences and with information. I have a fun game. This is called the Rapid Fire Round, and I'm going to ask you questions that are totally unrelated to what we've been talking about. Are you ready? I'm ready. 
Okay, name one amazing place you've traveled to. Kenya. I was not expecting Kenya, but I love it. Um, if you were an animal, what animal would you be? A giraffe. Oh, I like this. <laughs> um, what is your least favorite food? Guess Brussels sprouts. Oh, I like Brussels sprouts. A lot of people do, and they talk about it's you know it's how you cook them with the garlic and this and that. I'm like, well, if you were gonna use garlic, use it for something that starts out delicious. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, have you ever been skydiving? But when I was 19, I went uh, I went tandem skydiving multiple times. I'm like I have goosebumps right now just thinking about it because I've never been, but just that terrifies me. No, I wasn't terrified when I did it. I was terrified when my son did it. When he was oh. like 18, he wanted to do it for his birthday, and that terrified me. What is your worst experience in a class? I was doing a um, a workshop, a talk for um, physicians in Vietnam. We did um, training on HIV care there. So people were translating, right? We had you know English, Vietnamese going back and forth. And up there at the end of my talk, they were suddenly the audience, which was a lot of people, it was like a couple hundred doctors, they were cheering and applauding. And I was like, oh my goodness, what is that? And my translator said, oh, the guy said that at tonight's post, you know, uh, symposium event, you are going to be singing karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a terrible singing voice. I am awful. And that night, to show goodwill and international, uh, you know, collaboration, I did sing. And I don't think they will let me in the country again. It was that awful. That is too funny. And then the last question for our rapid fire round is, what are you proud of? I am proud of all the trees we're growing. Yeah, this is something I've never done before. I not into farming. I've never done my own yard work. And just as part of this project, we started planting trees. I had no idea what I was doing. And now we have this beautiful growing forest. And I'm pretty proud of that. I think it's amazing too. You said some of them are mature now and to see the growth from planting as a sapling to a, a full tree now. Um, how many years has it been planting over at the Hamakua Marsh? Um, we're five, five years five years plus now. And it is, yeah. you know, some schools even grow the, um, you know, as a science experiment, I'll get them seeds and they will germinate the seeds um, as part of learning the scientific method and grow us some seedlings that then they'll come and plant on their field trip. Oh, that's so sweet. And, you know, something so small, it, it, it's a grounding experience and it's a lesson. Um, I have one last question, and you can then add anything if you want. But my last question is, what is the future of our climate here in Hawaii like? Um, and not just, you know, the science behind it, but are you hopeful? Are you worried? Um, do you have specific concerns? Well, I am terrified. Otherwise, I wouldn't have, you know, focused on this issue um, for the last several years. Actually. Compared to a lot of places, Hawaii has it pretty good. Our, um, and this is something you learn about in the seventh grade unit. But basically, the um, extreme fluctuations in temperature that you already see on many parts of the mainland are moderated by the fact that we are an island. And the ocean is a real moderating um, force on temperatures everywhere. We're also lucky in that we are a volcanic island as opposed to a coral atoll type island. So we, we may lose some coastline, 
but we have a lot of area to retreat to. So we will not lose Hawaii. Hawaii is not going to go underwater and, um, and disappear, which is happening already to some island nations, which is tragic. But, you know, our trade winds are changing. Our rainfall patterns are changing um, because they are driven by the trade winds, which is something the fifth grade unit looks into. And um, we will have, you know, sea level rise that will impact our coastal infrastructure. And it's just getting hotter. And that's kind of unpleasant. So now schools really need to be air conditioned. I'm in my 50s. No schools that I knew were air conditioned when I was a kid. And that was okay. It wasn't a big deal. So I um, think it's, you know, it's getting too hot to learn, too hot to play outside. So I, I really think that uh, planting trees is a big deal. It's not just, uh, you know, um, planting trees along our streets and in our neighborhoods and on our school campuses is really important so that we can kind of keep that outdoor healthy lifestyle that we love here. I think that's really great that you've connected these big, complicated ideas to simple actions and concrete ways that students and community members can make change on our island. Um, that's huge. And that's that's a big part of what we do is take these big ideas and make them accessible to our students, um, to the people we're teaching. Is there anything else you want to add before we sign off? Please check out the units. Um, or if you're on Oahu, bring your kids for a field trip. Um, we also do workshops. I actually just took a new job as a state representative, so I'm going to go a little bit quiet for the next few months, but come May, I'm going to resurface, and I do have staff, so um, you know there will be other people working on these projects, so we would love to hear from you. That's awesome. Um, congratulations, by the way, on being a state representative. I know that your voice is going to be very important. Thank you so much for joining us. It was great talking to you. I really appreciate all of your wisdom and knowledge and all of the opportunities that you're sharing with us today. Okay, well, I appreciate it. And again, I please reach out. I'd love to hear from science teachers that love our units, hate our units, but at least take a look. All right, thank you so much. Aloha.